Take that! Welcome to Hunting Humbug 101 with me, Theo Clark, and I'm joined again with my good bud, Ben. How you going, Ben? Hey, Theo, I'm good. If it sounds uh, remarkably similar to episode 12, it's uh, episode 8, it's because we're recording this immediately after. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't let people know how you make the sausage, should you? Should you? Um, this uh, episode, we're going to look at the naturalistic fallacy, and this is kind of, the, there's two versions of this one, I suppose. There's the is-ought problem, so when people say something is this way, it ought to be that way, uh, and also then really probably the more modern version or the version that seems to be something that sceptics look at a lot more is the appeal to nature, which is if it's all natural, it must be good. If it's synth- and the opposite, of course, if it's synthetic, it must be bad. Um, we'll get into that in a moment, but uh, as per usual, uh, and the other thing is because Ben is a slack bastard and hasn't prepared for this episode properly, he hasn't listened to some of the audio clips, but I'm glad because I really want to experience Ben listening to these for the first time. I wish I could see all the listeners listening to this for the first time as well. Um, Do you really? It's a bit creepy, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Send me pictures of you listening to this for the first time at. (laughs) Tweet me a selfie. No, no, do not do that. (laughs) But no, yeah, I'll stop speaking now. Uh, I'll begin, (laughs) as per usual, with um, a reading. As I haven't done this one, a reading from the book uh, Humbug, The Skeptic's Field Guide to Spotting Fallacies and Deceptive Arguments, second edition, $4 from my website. The naturalistic fallacy, other terms and or related concepts, is ought fallacy, argument to nature. Description. The advocate claims that because something is natural or exists in nature, it is by definition good, and or the advocate derives ought from is without any compelling or reasonable link. Example. Talk show host Grant Haggard is discussing the recent proposal to introduce gay marriage legislation. He turns to the camera and states, The issue at stake here is the nature of family and life itself. Enacting this legislation would be committing a crime against nature. The natural state of affairs is for marriage to be one man and one woman, so we can maintain the family unit. Look no further than the humble beaver. Both mother and father beaver have essential roles in the family unit. They mate for life and raise the young together, as a team, just like humans do. Comment. Haggard's argument is wrong in two significant ways. The first and most obvious is that he has cherry-picked one example from nature, from millions, to make his point. He stacked the deck. One can demonstrate this easily by picking a fun counterexample. Bonobos, for example, exhibit almost the complete opposite behaviour to beavers. They are overly promiscuous, engaging in opposite sex, same sex, and multiple partner sex, as frequently as humans shake hands. And bonobos are more closely related to humans than beavers. The other way in which he is wrong is the naturalistic fallacy. Giving his example the benefit of the doubt, let's say that in nature homosexuality does not occur besides in humans. So, there's no compelling logical link from the way things are, a description, to the way things ought to be, an ethical position. Haggard's unstated assumption or hidden premise is that the way beavers live is good. Another example of the naturalistic fallacy is the most basic argument in favour of social Darwinism a theory of social ethics which claims its basis in nature, evolution by natural selection, though it has a closer resemblance to selective breeding. Social Darwinists argue that if nature is this way, that is, only the fittest survive, then it ought to be this way with various features of society. 
it has been mostly used as a justification for laissez-faire economics and eugenics. But as with the previous example, this is an unfounded leap. An argument in support of an ethical theory needs, to, needs a better claim than because something is done this way, it ought to be. This, is nothing, this has nothing to do with whether it is right or wrong, good or bad. It is simply a statement of supposed fact. To get from a fact to an ethical value, there needs to be some kind of compelling argument about the goodness or evilness of the fact. For this to happen, we need an agreed-upon good and an agreed-upon evil. And you might recognise Grant Haggard being, I think it was Ted Haggard, the, yeah. the US guy that got done for like doing yeah. drugs and crack and he was like really anti-gay. Um, and he hired some rent boy to yeah. carry, carry his luggage for him. <laughs> Inverted commas. <laughs> Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but, you know. <laughs> okay, so that was the, the reading from the book. And, yeah, look, they're, they're pretty much the two uh, versions of the naturalistic fallacy we're going to um, listen to now. Now, the first one is uh, one that's probably come across the radar of a lot of sceptics uh, in the last probably six months, year or so. Um, it's the food babe. Ben, you haven't heard of the food babe, No, have I've you? never heard of the food babe. I'm intrigued, you know. She's a babe and she likes food. Uh, essentially, this is the version of the, uh, you know, appeal to nature. Um, and she started a blog. Her name's Vanny Hari. Um, she's a blogger in, from the US and she, she critiques the food industry. She's gathered signatures, uh, pressuring food companies to remove ingredients from their products. Um, so companies like Kraft, um, Chipotle... Uh, Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, Subway have changed their ingredients because of her um, protests. And again, you know, I've got nothing against um, heaping crap on fast food companies because I could, but but the issue is the science around it, you know, her lack of science, and her again, um, we've talked about this before, the arrogance of her ignorance as well. But look, let's uh, have a listen to a couple of clips um, from the food babe. So I'll play them back to back. controversial and dangerous ingredient is called azodicarbonamide. It's the same stuff they use to make yoga mats in the bottom of your shoes. It's toxic and it's flammable. Does that sound like eating fresh? And let's talk about what happened when a truck carrying this ingredient turned over on a Chicago highway in 2001. Everyone within a half mile radius had to be evacuated. Please join me in asking Subway to remove this dangerous chemical from their bread. We deserve the same safer ingredients Subway sells to other citizens across the globe. Please sign the petition at foodbabe.com slash Subway. Let's eat fresh, not yoga mat. Azodicarbonamide, partially hydrogenated oils, GMOs, dimethylpolysoxane, yellow 5, yellow 6, red 40, artificial flavors, saccharin, aspartame, carrageenan, caramel coloring, TBHQ, high fructose corn syrup, sodium nitrate, alestra, potassium bromate, datum. All of these ingredients are not food. They work against you, your body, and your health. Fortunately, you don't have to eat them. Hi, I'm Bonnie, and welcome to the Food Babe Eating Guide. Everybody can eat like the food babe, I'm convinced. So there you go, Ben. What did you think of that one? Well, that was amazing. 
Yeah, was I, I'm convinced. Yeah, that she, she listed chemicals. She doesn't really know what she's talking about. <laughs> no, she doesn't. And uh, look, I want to be clear up front. As a rule of thumb, I think eating unprocessed foods and eating, you know, just fresh fruit and vegetables and all that stuff is there's no doubt about that. That's a healthy way to eat, um, but not to the point of moronic chemophobia, which is basically what she has. And so what I thought I'd do, and again, most people have probably already seen this, I'm going to um, list some other chemicals as well um, and see if that's a bit scary. Fructose, sucrose, maltose, starch, amino acids, glutamic acid, aspartic acid, histine, leucine, phenylphthalein, arginine, proline, tryptophan, tricine, methoene, Omega-6 fatty acid, uh, phosphorus E515, oxalic acid, E300, E306, thiamine, philoquinine, yellow-orange E101. Would you want to eat that one, Ben? Oh, yeah, it sounds good. It sounds good. <laughs> That's good because they're some of the ingredients from an all-natural banana. Yeah, strange that, isn't it? Okay. So everyone's probably seen that one. It's by a um, chemistry teacher from Victoria in Australia, and he's done these infographics where he's done all-natural bananas, all natural, and it's just listed the chemical ingredients. So just because it's got a chemical in it, uh, everything has chemicals in it, That's you know, especially food, um, and has quite complex chemicals, is, is irrelevant. Yeah, there's um, there's a certain amount of uh, what we call equivocation with this stuff, isn't yeah, there? Yeah. Using the term natural, I don't know if you picked out in her list of horrendous chemicals she was talking about. So there's, um, I recognise a couple of them, but one that everyone will know is the uh, sodium chloride, yeah. which is salt, <laughs> NaCl. <laughs> no, no, and, and that's the the issue is just lift and and the, the specific example she did. There's again, I'll put some links to links to the. Um, uh, people responding to her scientific or chemical literacy. But, for example, that um, chemical that she got out of the Subway breads, now all chemical ingredients, including water, have material safety data sheets, you know, which yeah. is basically what happens if you get exposed to it and things like that. And a lot of them, it's about the dosage of them. It's yeah. about how you're exposed whether it's because you're breathing it in as the, opposed to the being... Form in, yeah, the form? Yeah. So, so you know... Um, to go back to sodium chloride, sodium by itself, chloride by itself, both will kill you very quickly. If you have chlorine gas, you know, it was used as a gas, a nerve gas yeah. in, in World War One. Um, sodium, if you haven't seen that in water, you need to see yeah. what happens yeah. in water. Combine them, it's table salt. Yeah. So all these chemicals, it depends what they're doing in the body, um, the uh, amount of them you're getting, uh, the form they're yeah. in, and... Just to say, oh, it's in yoga mats. So what? You know, carbon is in nearly, is yeah. in plastics and other things we use, and it's also in all the food we eat. So what's that got to do with anything? I'm full of carbon. Are you full of carbon? I am. Yeah. It's delicious. Um, and I'm delicious. Actually, uh, one other thing we should put up, Theo, is on I fucking love science. Yep. One of their recent little things they put up was a list of the LD50s of a whole yep. bunch of everyday stuff. Like I think the LD that means uh, LD50 for people that don't know. Is a technical term that uh, people toxicologists use to uh, test how toxic a particular substance is. Yep. So an LD50, that's lethal dose 50, that means uh, the level of dosage needed to kill 50 percent of whatever sample of cute little hamsters that they yeah, tested yeah, on. Yeah. So 
they, and it, it's, it's really interesting because there's a whole bunch of stuff on there that you don't normally think of as being toxic. And I think for water, it's six litres is the LD50 yeah, 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 for yeah. a human. Water, you'll kill someone. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's the old um, yeah. ban H2O, uh, dihydro, yeah, yeah. Uh, dihydrogen monoxide yeah. petition that um, Penn and Teller in particular did a very yeah. amusing uh, post in a uh, uh, segment in uh, their show Bullshit. Yeah. But the, the issue really is um, understanding that natural versus synthetic is kind of irrelevant now as a rule of thumb again with eating i think eating non-processed foods is probably going to be better but you know snake venom is natural poison ivy is natural mushrooms are natural they can all kill you i was going to say plutonium is natural but it's not really it's made in a nuclear reactor no no but but plutonium (laughs) but the point is it's it's a it's about the specific thing you know and and the fact that she has pressured these companies through her ignorance but you know from their point of view what else are they going to do they're going to um, change their mind because it's going to impact sales if they don't, if they don't look like they're doing it um, so look I, anyway I'll, I'll need to belabor the point we'll put some links um, to in the the post around uh, sorry in the show notes with some rebuttals of her some from um, uh, science-based medicine and also Stephen Novella from the skeptics guide to the universe fame uh, has some um, has rebutted her quite well. Now, the only other thing I do want to, to be fair to her, right, you know, people have criticised her um, and she's responded to some of that criticism. I found an article where the journalist said something along the lines of, well, what do you say to your critics who point out you've had no scientific training? And I'll quote what the journalist said she said. Harry says she doesn't need scientific degrees to be intellectually honest and know how to do to research. As a teenager, she was a nationally ranked debater who spent summers at the Dartmouth College Library researching topics, she says. So she uh, she comes from the, the Stephen Colbert School of uh, <laughs> Science, would you say, Theo? <laughs> I she, think that's been too kind, actually. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's like, I know how to use a library. <laughs> that's like Dr. Google. But, you know, is, that, is that special plea or...? Uh, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't even know what to call that one. It's so dumb. Yeah, it's it's like, oh, it's arrogance of ignorance. Yeah. I know the library, and I can go do some research. And, and but, you know, the actual thing that actually does show a little bit, and I don't want to um, impugn motives, but it shows that post hoc rationalisation. Yeah. So what people do, she made up her mind originally that these things are bad, and she'll go do her research to justify a point and ignore the criticisms of her that have pointed these, some of these things out. And it reminds me a little bit of um, there's an author in Australia, uh, what's the name of it? He did the books on Sweet Poison. What's his name? David something or other, I think. Um, anyway, Australian skeptics will know him. And he uh, yeah, so he, and I just remembered his name, David Gillespie. His background is as a, as a lawyer. Now when he gave a presentation, I saw people did criticise him about some of his views and stuff, and I'm not going to get into that because I'm, I'm not an expert in sugar or any health or any of those things either. But the, the flaw, I, I, I think, with his research methodology perhaps is as a lawyer, you construct cases you don't, you, and you take a position. As a debater, you take a position. You're either for the affirmative or the negative, and you don't, you're not interested in the truth per se, although, you know, it might be a bonus, but you're interested in constructing a case. 
And yeah. part of constructing a case is to hide or stack the deck or spin some information that's against your position. It's it's about uh, it's yeah it's the, the argument and everything. Whether the argument is a good argument or not is yeah. irrelevant. It's about rhetoric. It's, yeah, and it, well, it's the truth is irrelevant. Yeah. Really, it's about winning the case. Exactly. Um, if the, the truth is on your side, bonus that will help you. But really, it's about constructing arguments. So you know, if she's even coming to it from the point of view of being a debater then she's not coming from the point of view of trying to find being a seeker after truth, as I call it in the book. Um, and I don't mean to criticise David Gillespie per se, it's just that reminded me of that. He's, his argument was, well, my background is as a lawyer, and in a way that's almost a red flag for me. Where I go, well, are you interested in the truth or are you interested in winning a case? Yeah. Um, and if you've made your mind up early on in the piece, and there's a lot of our research around this with you know, police detectives and things like that where they have an idea about what what's happened and then that's they filter all the evidence and all that through that idea and won't think outside the box and so on. And look, we all do it because we're all human. Yeah, right. But being aware of it is really important, I think. Okay, let's um, have a look at, uh, move on um, from the food, babe. And again, I'm sorry, I just can't take someone seriously when they call themselves the, a babe. The food dude. <laughs> hey, the food bra. Hey, bra, how you doing? Bra. Come at me, bra. <laughs> we should be the fallacy bras. <laughs> Fallacy bros. <laughs> okay, just having a, a bit of a change of the podcast from now. From now, we're going to call it the fallacy bros. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you did quit. If we did that. <laughs> like, I quit. <laughs> you can be the fallacy babe if you want. Uh, whatever. I need to have a shave. I'm going to do that. <laughs> or maybe not. Which bit are you going to shave? Yeah. No, let's not get it. <laughs> Full Brazilian. Um, okay, let's uh, let's move on. This next example. Um, uh, is moving on to the is to ought fallacy. Uh, and ag- again, uh, I'm going to pick on a creationist. Um, why not? They're easy targets. And of course, when I was thinking about a naturalistic fallacy, it was a, is, a, is an easy one to think about. So let's have a listen to uh, this person, and I'll tell you who it is after we've had a... Thing, one thought I could not get out of my head, and that was, if evolution were true, then how now shall we live? Meaning, if we were a product of evolution, a product of survival of the fittest, if there is no God, and we're just here by random chaotic force, and we're just molecules in motion, if you will, how would that impact our life? And I found out that once I studied it, you know, and, and I studied uh, Darwin, I studied uh, Dawkins, Hitchens, E.O. Wilson, some of the purveyors of evolutionary thought, and they led me to a very, very dark place because you have to start asking questions. Well, if evolution is true and it's just all about the male, spe- the male propagating their DNA, well, what in the world is, we had to ask hard questions like, well, is rape wrong? Oh, my. You know, yes. and all of a sudden that it becomes it's like, what, wait a minute, but if evolution is about the man propagating their DNA and, and applying evolutionary thought to humanity, then it's, then it's basically the strongest male takes whoever he can to propagate the DNA. And, and it's a scary outcome. And what I found after I wrote this book, and I go into that, and, and you, you ask yourself all of these things, you know, what, how do we redefine marriage? Well, there, marriage would be, in an evolutionary worldview, marriage would be the anathema because it's one man married to one woman for life, and, it, and that is the offspring. But according to evolutionary worldview, if that male is strong enough and he had wonderful genes, he should propagate his DNA as much as possible so that the species can progress. And so it redefines everything about our society. And it takes you very, very, to a very, very dark place. Sorry, Theo. Yeah. What, what, what was wrong with that? <laughs> oh, nothing. I mean, he's a delightful gentleman uh. with a really, really great views on the world. <laughs> 
That was from uh, Creation Today, uh, and I'll put the link um, uh, in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, the thing I, I don't understand is that don't, doesn't women's DNA count? Oh, it's so many so so many things that are so completely excuse the language fucked up about that guy's what he's thinking is supposedly now look he's uh, using it really as an argument to negative consequences saying this is why evolution can't be true because if it was true we'd have to think yeah. this way but, but and it's also a straw man as well oh, of course yeah, yeah 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 no no he he completely mischaracterizes uh, evolutionary arguments and, and mischaracterizes the views of pretty much everyone he yeah, quoted yeah that's right and one thing that um of course, Dawkins in The Selfish Gene talks about is the memes helping us rise above our evolutionary nature. And certainly, uh, and the other thing he, he, he has it almost has it gives evolution a teleological purpose, which is like there's some goal inverted commas that evolution have. Evolution doesn't have a goal. Evolution isn't a thing that has agency. It's just a description of a process that yeah. caused, you know, speciation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then to go back to the naturalistic fallacy, evolution doesn't tell us anything about how we should live. Uh, and to, to think that is completely... It says far more about his psychology mm. uh, than anyone else's. Yeah, that, that's uh, getting back to our friend Hume. Yeah. We were just talking yeah. about before, actually. Yeah, talking off air, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going back to the idea that um, if you're trying to think about a moral or ethical system then you need to think about what is good or bad. You don't need to think about how things are. Uh, you, you should think about how things are to help you decide whether your yeah. system is going to work or not. Yeah, to inform what you're doing. Yeah. But uh, that's why it's, there's, there's, no, there's no morality behind evolution, which is, which is what, what he's, no normative yeah. uh, It's ethics. indifferent. It's indifferent, yeah. The, the main point really is to, to go back to um, the the way things are is not an indicator of the way things should, should be. be. Yes. And let's say, for example, that was the purpose of evolution was to propagate DNA only, you know, and it actually had a purpose as opposed to a description of just what genes do. That's irrelevant. So what? You know, it's completely irrelevant to... Um, what is counted as, as, as good and proper behaviour. And we certainly do. We act against it all the time. You know, when you um, uh, use contraception or, you know, have a vasectomy, um, <laughs> you are acting, in inverted commas, against evolution all the time. And the fact that he thinks that way worries me about him. It's a whole thing about, um, well, do you need... Because he said, if there's well, yeah, no... Like, like, the comment he said, if there's no God, what's the purpose? You really need that to define your purpose. Is that, is, do you need to have the idea of a god watching you so that you don't run around raping? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it's really messed up for you, in my in my opinion. Um, and of course, my opinion is pretty much dead on. Uh, and, and but yeah, and then and then to the other really important point for people who aren't you know up on evolution, I'd imagine most people on this podcast are that isn't even accurate anyway. No. So his description of how evolution and works and linking it purely to humans as opposed to all the other things that evolution are, and really the my view my view about why his argument or the purpose of why he was saying it that way was really to use it as an argument to negative consequences. So the people who are listening to his show will think. Well, if this is what evolutionists think, then I can't, and also poisoning the well, saying if this is what evolutionists think, then I can't agree with them because I don't yeah. want to look, you know, have that view. And this can't be true because if it was true, then all these bad things would happen. 
And again, that's irrelevant. You know, it's, it's science is a description of what happens or what, what could happen in the future when you're making predictions. Okay. Let's, uh, have a listen to one final example. Um, and again, it's, uh, a, a good fun one from, um, the US. This is for a clip from a Meet the Press, uh, show in the US. It was from, uh, Kenneth, uh, inverted commas, Ken Buck, the district attorney for Weld County, Colorado, um, was in 2010 and he was on Meet the Press. So let's have a listen to what good old Ken had to say. In a debate last month, you expressed your support for Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which we talked about with uh, Mr. Gibbs, and you alluded to lifestyle choices. Do you believe that being gay is a choice? I do. And based on what? Based on what? Yeah. Well, you it, believe that? Um, I guess you can, you can choose who your partner is. You don't think it's something that determined at birth? I, I, I think that uh, birth has an influence over, like alcoholism and some other things, um, but I think that uh, basically you, you have a choice. Another delightful person to listen to. <laughs> the um, yeah, the the thing about that that I again find amusing. A couple of points. I mean, he says it's a choice because you choose your partner. You mean like heterosexuals do? Like so, heterosexuals Dio, choose their partners too. Yeah, so, so Theo, can I just interject here? And so, so when did you decide that you were going to be heterosexual? Um, I decided that night you had your way with me. I was like, <laughs> I'm not into this at all. <laughs> um. So yes, that's how ridiculous that question yeah, is. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and, and the just it, let, let's assume that um, it is a choice for a moment, right? Let's assume that you are predisposed. So you're not predisposed. At, sorry, and blank slate. Yeah, but actually, before we even get into that, the other thing is like uh, talk about being tone deaf. Oh, it's like alcoholism. So it's like a disease, you know. Right. It's like, oh my god. But anyway, let's assume it is a blank slate. Now, this is the bit that I actually. It's a little bit possibly controversial of me to say this, which is I think both sides have foolishly accepted the naturalistic fallacy as a premise. So people who are fighting for gay marriage like to argue that um, it's not a choice and they were born that way, which I think is probably true. But that's irrelevant. If you're consenting adults, who gives a shit? Yeah. Yeah, so were you going to say something? I was just going to say it's... uh you're exactly right. I don't think it's particularly controversial. And I think a lot of, um, uh, what's the catch-all phrase? The gay, lesbian, transgender. Yeah, LGB. Yeah, LGB. I forget what it all. Yeah. Apologies to yeah, any sorry. LGB. Bisexual. Yeah, sorry. yeah. Like, LGBY? No, LGBT. No. T, transgender. Transgender. Yeah. LGBT. So oh. it, even, even if it is a choice, why does it matter? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's, it, what I like, you know, I, um, it should be irrelevant. So, look, I understand why the gay rights movement um, take it up because what you're trying to say is it's another version of natural, you know, because that's appealing yeah. to people saying it's not. But it to me, it's, you know, if I want to take up tennis as an adult, what businesses of yours, it's harmless. If yeah. you and I want to go have a doubles match of tennis um, and then shower together afterwards and give each other a rub town... <laughs> who gives a shit, you know? I mean, my wife would care, obviously. But, but you know, like, who cares? We're consenting adults. And so what what I say is, and th- this is where I get a bit um, more on the libertarian side, but it's if you're talking about what two or more consenting adults do and there's no clear negative impact on society as a whole and the burden of proof should be on those who want to limit freedom, 
and it should be really high, then who cares? You know, you need overwhelming evidence to show it the burden is that with your you if you're trying to enforce rules upon others, you need overwhelming evidence. So like the all the anti smoking stuff, I think we've yeah. got overwhelming evidence on that. The seatbelts, wearing seatbelts in cars, I think we've got overwhelming evidence that says you should have to wear seatbelts. But um, being gay, I don't think there's any overwhelming evidence that that's a negative impact. If anything, I'd say the evidence is the other way around. Um, and, and again, uh, you know, if we go back to specifically what he was saying, um, he was really arguing that it's not natural, therefore we should outlaw it. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> unnatural is bad. Yeah, and it's like, okay, McDonald's isn't natural. You want to ban that? Um, flying an aeroplane? Flying an aeroplane, really bloody unnatural. Uh, skydiving, horrendously unnatural. Should we ban that, you know? Um, so it's crazy, yeah. Making me go to work every day and sitting in front of the computer <laughs> for eight hours. <laughs> unnatural. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, yeah, but you choose to do that. Yeah. Oh, hang on, that's a choice, yeah, so. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the, the thing I try, I think we're trying to get across in this show and in, in thinking about critical thinking and pod, and, um, you know, fallacies and in general, is to try and have a consistent framework about the way you think about things. So that's the whole point with this is if you're going to, uh, if you take the is or fallacy, then you can never use that as an argument. I can never use it as an argument either way. Yeah. So you just, you need to be, you need to be able to unpack all these terms these people are using as justifications for what they're saying. Yeah. Because it's always like he's making an extremely simplistic argument that fits in with his own particular worldview. And it's almost like he can't imagine an alternative. Yeah, and these will be the same people then say the government should be shouldn't let you buy should let you buy whatever freaking gun you want. Yeah. So like say so you want the government to not interfere with this one aspect of your freedom, but then you want the government to impose rules upon some other people's freedoms yeah. in a different area because you that, find it squeamish. But that has actually nothing to do with you. Absolutely nothing to do with you. Yeah. Or the whole thing, you know, my other favourite uh, argument to consequences areas are it'll devalue or the what marriage means it's like how how does what other people define marriage affect how you define marriage you know? yeah and and i'm perfectly fine for um uh particular religions to um not be happy with you know doing gay marriage or whatever because that's their religion just don't join yeah. that religion you know and so people in the catholic church who are in the catholic church are saying like why are you a catholic just don't worry about being one yeah. you know like if you really uh, fair enough you want to change it that's that's your um you can do that prerogative yeah just don't worry about it. Just join a different flipping religion, you know. Um, but anyway, look, that's, that's of course, my view and then not, not raised Catholic. So maybe if you're raised Catholic, you want to progress them further. Don't really know how I got into this tangent. So apologies to any Catholic listeners. You guys are great. Uh, especially that new Pope, that Brazilian guy is pretty cool. He's pretty down with the kids. He's on the Twitters. Um, <laughs> so, look, yeah, it, the, the number one thing I think you should take away from this one is that an argument about what something should be or whether it's good or bad or good or healthy or unhealthy. You need to look at the facts about that particular thing and not just take a blanket, it is this way or it isn't this way. Yeah, so you can't you can't move from a fact to a moral or ethical judgment, I yeah. suppose. Or oh, sorry, position. Yeah. You can't you can't derive a moral position from a fact. Yeah, a fact is just a fact, yeah. Uh, unless of course it's an Andrew Bolt point then it's probably not a fact either well it's not it's a fact for <laughs> yeah exactly. truth in it yeah and then the naturalistic fallacy in terms of the uh, appeal to nature really again the obvious point there is 
look at each individual thing on its own merits. So there certainly will be plenty of um, synthetic things that aren't good for you and that you probably should avoid eating, but there's certainly plenty of um, natural things that are good yeah, for you like as well. Yeah, like beer. Beer is natural. I like beer. Beer is awesome. Which, <laughs> well, okay. she's attacked beer as well, by the way, the food. Maybe she's got a campaign about listing all the product ingredients in beer. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know about you, Theo, but I only drink the highest quality craft beer. Um, I Manufactured went... under the German purity beer laws, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which are water, hops, and barley. Well, I went to, um, where was I at? I was at the, um, uh, what's that pizza place in West End called? Um, uh, the Barrow? Barrow, the Barrow, yeah. yeah. Oh, the Barrow, uh, yeah. And they've got craft beers there. Yeah. Look at the menu. Holy crap. Something like 90 bucks for a, for a pint. That'll be the best beer you've ever had. <laughs> Bloody well, better for you for 90 bucks. Yeah. A little bit rich for my blood, Ben. Plus, I, I, I'm so poor, I um, only have one car and catch public transport. Because only poor people don't That's use right, cars. Yeah. Yeah. That's an in-joke for the yeah. Australian listeners. Yeah. <laughs> we might discuss it on a future yeah. episode, yeah. Okay, um, look, so... Uh, that's the uh, the naturalistic fallacy. Um, all the show notes will be up with the podcast if you want to follow up any of that. Uh, the um, uh, if again you can subscribe or promote the podcast in any way, uh, rate it on iTunes, give us a review. That'd be fantastic. And if people want to buy your book, Theo, if they want to buy my book, um, no obligation, uh, but you know, skepticsfieldguide.net. Uh, and it's only three ninety nine. It's a bit of a bargain, I've got to say. Super bargain. Yeah. If you're poor, you can afford it. Yeah, and and I believe you can return it. I've noticed um, on the the Kindle stats, um, it's got your your gross and then also your net, and so return. So people have returned it. So whoever you are, fuck you. It's four <laughs> fucking dollars. <laughs> anyway, I'll see you next time, Ben. Okay, good to talk to you again, Ben. And until next week, you've been listening to uh, Hunting Humbug One Hundred and One.